what matters is will people believe you and can you build trust in your marketplace between buyers and sellers and will people pay you? I hope the days of marketplaces being free are over. Welcome to Two Sided, the Marketplace Podcast, brought to you by ShareTribe. Hi, I'm Short, CMO at ShareTribe, and I'm your host. For this episode, I talked to Ryan Gill, CEO and co-founder of Communo, which is a marketplace that brings together freelancers and agencies in the creative marketing and advertising industry. It has a very strong community layer where the focus is on giving before getting. Now, what that means, you'll hear from Ryan, who's super passionate about this. It was very cool to hear Communo's story, and Ryan has some strong and perhaps contrarian ideas about marketplaces, which has definitely given me something to think about. For example, about pricing in a marketplace, but also how to build a community and how to foster trust. I, of course, hope that this also gets you thinking about these things, because that's the whole point of this podcast. So sit tight and listen to Ryan Gill tell you about Communo. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, just so that the audience understands who's talking, and before we go down the marketplace rabbit hole, before Communo, could you tell a little bit about what you did before? Yeah, I've always been an entrepreneur, probably since I was 11 years old. I actually started selling golf balls that I found on my local course and making a nice profit. <laughs> As you can know, Stuart, uh, when you find stuff and get your brothers to work for you for free, and no cost of product, that's pretty good high margin business. So I caught the entrepreneurial bug early, but my professional career really started in the advertising agency business. And I started my first digital agency when, when it wasn't very popular in 99, 2000. Built that up to be one of the most well-known shops in Canada and the US. Almost lost it though, I almost failed. Well, we did fail actually. And I basically pulled it off the ground and got it back in the air, and then we exited and sold the business in 2010-11. And then I uh, started another business with the company that actually bought me called Collective in 2011-12, and I still own that business today. And I'm a 50% owner, but it's a self-managing business. I'm a true founder. I like to build businesses up and then get out of the way and let others that know what they're doing. So that's how I got started and how I got in the business. And what I'm in today, Communo, we actually built Communo. They say the best businesses are businesses you start for yourself. You don't make up some idea. You kind of, you know, solve your own problem. And one of the problems, we had a cult. Some months we needed 200 employees and some months we needed 30 employees. That's a big problem, (laughs) right? The days of long-term contracts in 10-year, five-year, we call them agency of record contracts in our business are long gone. But the, the model still stayed true where you wanted to have tons of employees. So there was, it was just broken. And I say this with all kindness. I have friends that work in executive roles at Upwork and Fiverr, but I love them, but I don't like their business. I feel like it ruins uh, people's careers and it's a race to the bottom. Now, they would probably argue that, but yeah, we use that platform and it didn't work for us. So I just went out to build my own true verticalized marketplace. And our industry is extremely fragmented. And it was basically begging to be, you know, to have a platform for the whole industry. And so I uh, went out and started that business, Communo. Yeah. And so could you tell a little bit about what exactly is Communo, right? Like what service do you get on Communo? 
Yeah, Camino is a, a marketplace for the advertising marketing industry to give and get work. So for projects or long-term contracts that are looking for talent and for talent that is looking for work that doesn't want to work full-time. It's a luxury people have now and we're the leading marketplace for that in North America. And because you said some interesting things about also some other well-known companies, Fiverr, Upwork. We actually previously on the podcast, the uh, second episode, we interviewed Josh Breinlinger, who was one of the uh, earlier ones at Upwork. Could you explain a little bit then how is Communo different? Yeah, so Communo is uh, different in many ways, contrarian. One of the ways that we're different is everyone contributes. That's our operating model, meaning they pay. And so the supply side pays, the demand side pay. We are a subscription-based business. Okay. And we provide value to all sides of the marketplace. Now, we're not a two-sided marketplace. We have agencies, and that's all different types of agencies, PR firms, digital firms, 72 different types of agencies. And then we have freelancers, but then we also have brands that are now coming onto the platform. We're adding students, and then we're adding schools, and then we're adding media, and then we'll be adding associations. So I talk about marketplaces work best when they go after fragmented industries, and Camino is definitely in that sweet spot. And so that's one way. We, we Everyone pays. So that's And then the second way is it's vetted. So we have two different classes of citizens on our platform. One is verified. So we have AI and machine learning that looks uh, deeply at whether the members that are applying are who they say they are. So we crawl. If they say they're a, a copywriter, we'll check their LinkedIn yeah. with our robots and our robots will check another website. We try to have three or four points of contact that actually says they are who they say they are. And so that's called a verified member. So we yeah. check that box. And then we actually have vetted members that go through one-on-one -on -one interviews. They pay a bit more to get the check mark. So one-on-one -on -one interviews, and then we do uh, case study reviews and reference checks. And so that's a uh, super important way that we differentiate. Yeah, hey, actually, because there's a lot in there, because this is actually, I really look forward to talking to you because Camino <laughs> is quite special in a marketplace because indeed, like I noticed you have multiple tiers in the member thing, but then also what I really like, what you said, everyone contributes. So could you tell a little bit more about the revenue model? So is it a subscription on both sides or is there also still a transaction fee involved once a project uh, Subscription on all six sides. So yeah. um, the, every different player in the market pays a different fee and different level that we decide with them what the right value is. So pricing is a super important and magic part of a business. Could yeah. you imagine, though, this new wave of platforms or marketplaces that is coming up? I like the word marketplace. Could you imagine coming to a marketplace where you know just everybody was looking for something and no one was looking to give they'd be pretty shitty marketplaces and so that everyone contributes thing seems pretty you know simple to say but not a lot of people can pull it off and no. we are just so aggressive about it that hey if you're going to come into communo your first thing to do is to give it might be giving a job it might be giving a connection it might be just be the first person to give don't look to receive and i got inspired yeah. by places like burning man and our name is Communo and in a commune, yeah. everyone contributes in a different way. Now, some contribute yeah. more than others. Some contribute less. It doesn't matter as long as you're coming in with a generous spirit. And so it's interesting to even try it in the marketing and advertising industry because it's a very zero sum game. I don't know how much you know about the industry. 
Well, I watched Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. It's very, that's a good example. It's very cutthroat. I win, you lose. So this yeah. is very contrary in what we're doing. But I think, for instance, the biggest companies in our industry are some holding companies that hold a bunch of these different bigger agencies. Even the word holding in this day and age yeah. is going to be its demise, right? We live in a sharing economy and yeah. a platform economy. There's no holding anymore. So those companies have millions of employees and hundreds of millions of revenue. And I believe they're in a sharp decline and their stock price would reflect that. Yeah. So I'm from Finland. We're like the whole company is from Finland. We are pretty like on the, let's say, left side of the spectrum regarding economics here. I think Canada, same story. However, like going into the market, like did you start with this model from the start? I mean, were you like, okay, this is how we're going to do it or does this evolve over time? Because I think this is really, well, like I said, this is a pretty interesting story. Like, could you tell a little bit, how did you end up here? Yeah, I read a book that your readers should check out by a guy named Nazim Talib. It's called Skin in the Game. And I just happened to be reading that book when I came up with the idea with my co-founder, Or Camuno. And, and in the book, essentially Skin in the Game talks about when you have any sort of exchange or any sort of relationship, you want everyone to have equal or close to equal skin in the game. Otherwise, they will not value it. So yeah. my belief was, although this is a contrarian, if we can create enough value on the platform for the supply side and the demand side, Outside of the transactional side of things, we can build a real community, build tools for them, build events, those types of things. Yeah. Uh, we could command subscription payments. And I believe that that would also help weed out a lot of fakers, yeah. people that want to be. And when everyone has skin in the game, ideologically, you care more about the outcome of the service or you care more about the outcome of the product and how you were as a client because you're paying to be on there. And so... I have to also thank Upworks and Fibers of the world. They were pioneers, but I believe it being free, when I use the air quotes, I know this is a podcast, but air quotes for free, it's never free. When you know it's free, you know you're paying through the eye yeah. somewhere else. And so the transaction take is always a bad solution, in my opinion, because it encourages disintermediation. And we don't care about that. We don't yeah. care about this. We actually hope they go offline and meet each other. We hope they come back. But they're paying a subscription. So to us, it's meaningful. Uh, really what people call us, and this is not me saying it's self-describing us, but what our members call us is if Tinder and LinkedIn were to have a baby in the advertising marketing industry, it would be Communo because we're we're part matchmaker, but we're part uh, you know professional network and you know profiles. So you don't apply for jobs on our platform. You don't go in and type in what, you know, I'm good for this job. Yeah. Your profile is your application. So we've removed as much friction from the system as possible. And uh, we allow it also for tribe building, which is huge. And so it's been a fun ride. Listen, we're only two and a half years old, three years old. We're extremely yeah. successful revenue wise, but we have a ton of problems still. And we have stuff we're trying to figure out. The vision for this was to enable economic options for every person and business in our industry, leaving no one behind. That was our vision. And yeah. sometimes when people hear that, they think only for small to mid-sized companies, but no, it's for everyone. But, you know, the bigger firms seem to think that we are here to take them out and we're not. Yeah. But if they don't get on board, they will be taken out because if you don't embrace platforms or marketplaces, you're going to be out of business. Yeah. Could you talk us through like how would one sort of transaction or a project, so I'm representing a brand or I'm an agency and I have to shoot a commercial or I don't know, I don't know, is that a good example? But Yeah, let me tell you a great story. Yeah. Me, I think it'll help people understand. And I bet you 
most of your users or your listeners will know this story. So there's a guy named John Krasinski. He used to be on The Office. He's now, I think, John Ryan or Jack Ryan on a TV show. Anyways, he and his business partner had a company, which I didn't know about, called Sunday Night Productions. And to my knowledge, we have uh, over 37,000 people on our platform now and growing every day by thousands. But he had a production company and he wanted to produce a show called Some Good News. Have you heard of it? Uh, Yeah, that was the thing that came up when at the beginning of this. uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's got billions of views. Yeah. And it became the most famous show during the pandemic around the world. And uh, he actually ended up selling it to ABC in eight weeks, the fastest show to ever sell as well (laughs) in history. But he needed help. He wanted to do this show about good news. We were in the middle of the pandemic, and all you do is turn on the TV or the internet, and you see bad news. Uh, But he couldn't hire because he couldn't go to Hollywood and get videographers, producers, writers, GIF-alytics people. You know, the list goes on. So bing, 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 bing. He's on our platform, posts a bunch of jobs. Those jobs are filled within three days. The show is live with those people that he hired on our platform and paid three days later, six days after from idea to posting, he's launched his first show and that show gets 16 million views. That's a really great story from a celebrity that everyone yeah. knows about around the world that's went on to do uh, famous things. However, that happens every day on our platform, a lot. Uh, at the moment we have, I don't want to screw up the number, but it's over $250 million of deal flow on our platform today. The average wow. deal size is $64,000. Okay. That's massive. It's not even in the same realm as these other gig economy websites. So people can build careers on our website. We're not a gig website. We're a true platform to have a career and to have a portfolio career. So actually, I'm curious, like how did your AI bot react to John Krasinski scanning the net? Well, he signed up to be a vetted member. All right. Um, So we did the uh, human to human interaction, but verified members... So how do people, are you asking how people get? Yeah, so I mean like, yeah, exactly. I'm on the platform. I have a profile there. I've done a couple of jobs. How do I get a new job on your side? You work hard. You work hard. And I know that sounds very trite, but I want your listeners to hear this loud and clear. Platforms and marketplaces are not easy work. They're hard work. They're actually harder. It's a global economy. A lot of people show up to our platform and say, where's the work? Well, is your profile the best? Not just one of the, is it the best on the platform? No, most people aren't. Are you messaging other people? Have you posted a job yourself? You have to be active in the community. Think about any sort of community you go into. Sure, you are, seem like a nice guy. Your friends that you're friends with, they would stop being friends with you if you, every time you came to a house party or you came into a group setting and say, hey, what, what do you got for me? What do you got for me? Hey, you yeah. got anything for me? That is icky on a platform or off a platform. So I don't yeah. want to help people are thinking, and I'm very passionate about this, is people say, how does it work? You have to work. Yeah. You have to work and you have to have a great profile and you have to connect with people. And it's like a gym membership. If you don't just show up and get six pack, I love that, right? So it's a really big learning curve. I think people expect it to just happen. Now, I believe it works better than the traditional analog world of getting on planes or going out to networking events. If you work really hard at it and you understand the platform, how it works, we have people on our platform that make millions of dollars. We have people that make zero. The people that make zero, they don't try. Some are confused because it's a new way. Mm -hmm. So we've opened up, we'll touch on this. We've opened up a new thing called CAF, C-A-F, Communal Adoption Framework. So we've opened up this professional services side of our business. If you want training, 
if you want to kill it on Communo, like others yeah. are, sign up for the training and get really good at it. Yeah. And then let's say I'm a videographer. You say like the idea is give, like, how do I give? Like, what does it mean in practice? Really easy for a videographer. If you want to scale your business, you have projects. You clearly have projects. If you're a videographer, yeah. look for a job that you have that may be beneath you or below you yeah. and be the director of that one. Say it's five grand. Okay. Put it up for four grand. You're still making your thousand dollars. Take a chance and hire someone. You never know how good you need to be on the supply side until you're on the demand side. Yeah. I tell people that all the time. It's such a good insight, right? Again, that everyone contributes. As soon as they do it, first of all, they realize, oh, I actually make more money on the demand side because mm-hmm. I didn't have to do anything. I hired someone. Yeah. They did a great job. I took my cut. Number two is we call them co-pilots, but find someone on the platform that's doing well and ask them how they do it. And, you know, go to events before COVID hit. We're in 250 cities. We have a partnership with Spaces. They're owned by Regis. Yeah. And we're a global partnership with them. And so every month, if there's enough people in that city, say in, you know, Berlin or in Portland, Oregon, yeah. or in Vancouver, we have something called member blenders. And go to those, show up, meet people in real life. Yeah. So there's many ways to do well. But for a videographer, it really is, I still stand by give first. And there's lots of ways to do it. Yeah, no, that's the part I wasn't sure about, like, how am I giving? But you mean, basically, if I also, if I would get other projects, which would need whatever, an animator, I would throw that to someone else in the network. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, break your job down. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And also be a cheerleader. If someone's listening to this on the Fino platform, say 10 people bid on a job. Yeah. And only one get it. Say there's 10, one gets it. So nine disappointed people. Yeah. In our platform, eight of those people actually cheer the other person on. They're like, good job. They don't think of it as this scarcity game. They think of it as abundance. And then there's the one person that's, you know, jealous or envious and that's fair, but becoming a broker themselves is a powerful thing. And I think when people actually get it and it clicks, it's amazing. I believe there could be a day that, you know, there isn't a need for agencies. Now I own one myself, so I'm talking myself out of a job, but, but the world of the internet that's taken away all the middlemen, right? And the agencies. Mm-hmm. And think about the word agency. That's all it is, is a broker. And so there's lots of people can do. I want to make sure I'm very clear that I don't lack compassion or empathy. It's hard. You know, you maybe you fish in a lake that was traditional analog business. Fishing on a platform like ours or any platform for that matter and learning how to use it is like fishing in the ocean. You need a different boat. You know, sometimes you need a spear, sometimes you need a net. Yeah. It's so important that you get help and you just can't show up there's just nothing in life you can just show up with and you know make it happen yeah hey but then because this is uh, again like extraordinary platform how did you end up here like what was your first version we talked a little bit about so in the cult collective you felt this problem of scaling where you sometimes needed 200 people otherwise 30 people could you talk a little bit about through the whatever the first six months or something like you know what was your first version like how did that work because I've never heard this come out like this. So I wonder where did this start? We had no clue what we were doing. And I wish I knew about you guys because we wasted a lot of time and money. My partner and I put in $500,000 of our money. That's a lot of money. And that was a big risk. And so we started just building. There's a gentleman we hired, had a company, I think it was called Rocket Taxi or something like that. But he had built a two-sided marketplace before Uber. It didn't succeed, obviously, like Uber did. And he actually lived in our town. And I hired him as our first product guy. We got something off the ground. You know, it was SFD. I don't know if you follow Brene Brown. 
I don't know, or know that name, no. Brene Brown. No, it doesn't ring a bell. Sorry. She's a great author, but she has something called SFD, shitty first draft. And so you just need to put out a <laughs> shitty first draft or an MVP. And so we got it out, but luckily we have a, we are not perfect, my founder and I, but we have pretty good names in the industry. Hmm. And so we told our friends about it and we started getting our first clients. And you can imagine out of the gate because one of our core principles was everyone contributes and it was, you pay right away. And our product was not wonderful. So we were very upfront in our sales pitch, like, Hey, you're part of our pioneer club. Like, you're going to be a guinea pig. We need to make money to make it great for you. And so it's going to cost a little bit of money. Yeah. And we started just charging customers and we were the first customer. So we built it for cult and we became the first customer. So we paid, uh, and we're, I guess the Genesis member. And then people that worked for cult every year, we, you know, handed out two to $3 million to freelancers. So we asked all of them to join as well and pay to be on this platform. And maybe share work around rather than just being one source of income from us. There's work from all of you. And they, when we announced it, you know, that you had to pay, I expected there were probably a hundred people showed up at the kickoff meeting of vendors and people we would use and said, you know, to work with cult. Now you have to be a communal member. Yeah. So that was the, the switch. And it was like, listen, it's just how it's going to be, you know? Uh, and part of me was like the, the story because I was sick of handing out hundred thousand dollars, $500,000 checks and people expecting it. And yeah. not so much as even getting a Christmas card from people. So I said, all right, that's fine. You know, they do good work. That's all yeah. we expect. Well, then to start working for us, they have to pay us to be on our platform. So that's how we started. <laughs> it was a bit rough, but 100 yeah. people showed up. And I said to Chris, my co-founder, I said, Chris, I, I just want to let you know before we go in this meeting, I think, you know, like 90 people are going to tell us to F off. Uh-huh. And uh, 10 will say, sure. And we'll start with those 10. Yeah, And to my surprise, and I still can't believe it to this day, it's like it was the other way around. 10 people told us to F off and 90 people said, sign us up. And uh, All right. those people went on to make a lot of money on our platform because they were the early adopters. Yeah. So the first version was basically, uh, well, let's say you on the demand side, right? And then yeah. the supply side, <laughs> you're already existing suppliers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because we often, like I've also realized this while talking to marketplace entrepreneurs and experts and they... Most successful marketplaces, they constrain the marketplace early on in some way. So like geologically, if you are a local marketplace where location is important or type of product or category or type of work in your case, did you do anything like that? Yeah. So we started in, we call them provinces here. I don't know, we yeah. call them states where you are. But we started in Alberta and Calgary. Calgary is a pretty big city. It's about a million and a half people. And so we had a lot of, you know, friendlies. Also in your hometown, you're also, I say friendlies, but I can remember half the marketplace saying, what the hell are these guys doing? It's such a scam. Yeah. You know, it's truthfully kind of hurt. You know, you want people in the industry to cheer you on to trying to make something better for a whole industry. But a lot of people doubted us and that's fair. That's part of the game. Uh, but we were lucky. And then we went to Edmonton, which is just up the road, three or four hours from us. And yeah. then Canada's pretty easy to travel around. So then we quickly went to Toronto and Vancouver and scaled quickly. Yeah. And we were clear that in our first six to 12 months, we would only stay in Canada. We didn't want to burn too much money and we hadn't raised any outside capital yet. But then when uh, we started seeing traction and we, you know, we hit our first 10, 25,000 MRR, yeah. uh, that's just from subscriptions only, not talking about GMV. It started to take off and we quickly became the biggest in Canada, Yeah, uh, partly because we were the, one of the only ones. Yeah, It's not hard to be the biggest when you're the only one. But then we started seeing some competitors and we got lucky. 
I found one that was a little bit tired and they were a bit early mm-hmm. and we ended up acquiring them, which helped our growth a lot. We were well capitalized. We were making money and they hadn't been, but they had a great access to freelancers. So if anyone's listening out there thinking about starting a marketplace, uh, the best advice I have to you is just start. Just start. Yeah, no matter what. And then very early on, like referring to the beginning of the conversation, you said like we're a multi-sided marketplace. So you have the brands. The last one, like was it associations, but everything in between. Was that also part from the early one or what made you decide to add that on? Like, because that is sort of the other way that you expand, so sort of like lift constraints. So can you tell a little bit about how that came about? As I said, just start. You don't have to wait. You can start, but you can gradually change as you go. So actually... That's a great question because to show how wrong I was, I only wanted to have freelancers from our industry and agencies, no clients allowed. I wanted us to have, be two-sided, yeah, private, because I felt, and I still stand by it, most clients treat creatives and agencies poorly. Mm. And so I wanted to keep them out. And I thought ideologically that agencies understand how to price properly because they get ground down on their prices and they would treat you know the talent well good because it was they were one of them right and yeah. that was true I, I was right about that they paid them well they treated them well the timelines were reasonable so we built yeah. a great marketplace what i didn't realize though was a trend that was happening in our industry that when i started about 50 some percent of brands i think it was 51 percent of brands had in-house marketing agencies or their own yeah. teams since we started three years ago that's grown to over 80 percent So I was losing a huge percentage of the market by not allowing brands. So I started to change my mind. My board helped me a little bit with that. And some great consultants I want to shout out, a guy named Douglas Atkins. He lives in Italy now. But he was one of the original CMOs of Airbnb. He's the one that told me, Ryan, there's great companies out there that don't treat agencies or creatives bad. They treat them good. And so why don't you open it up? And so as soon as I opened the floodgates of, all right, let's have brands on here, I started to say, wait a minute, if we do this right, we can digitize the whole industry. If we bring media on, you know, I started looking at LinkedIn and I was like, when's the last time I even saw anything meaningful to me? It's just so big. And, and kudos to LinkedIn. I have friends that work there as well. But I think you'll see over the next five, 10 years, the verticalization of LinkedIn. And I wanted to have media that was relevant to me. And when I say media, I mean, user generated content. I mean, you know, syndicating other periodicals in our industry, even though we might be, you know, LinkedIn's 54, 50, I don't know how many, there's hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. And, you know, even though our marketplace might only be a million or two people, and maybe it'll only at the max be 10 million people, that's a very meaningful 10 million people because they're all in the same industry. So we turned on brands, the beta goes live in July. So tomorrow, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Media will come next and then students and then we've decoupled students and schools. We think schools are different, but students allowing them to, it's such a fragmented marketplace to even know where they want to go, starting to get to build relationships early. And then associations last. And you know what? There'll probably be more pieces yeah. that I haven't thought about, but definitely technical businesses like Adobe or like product businesses that leak into our industry, they're part of our platform as partners as well. So it's became a fairly large and robust marketplace, but that's what it should be. And uh, yeah, oh, this sounds great. Like, so what would be the role? I'm not sure, clear if I understand what would be the role that students kind of play on your platform? Like, how would that work? Yeah, huge role. Well, they're the next generation, right? And so for them first, they need to understand what jobs are even available. They don't get taught that in school. No. So I want to be an account manager, project manager. Am I a creative director? Am I a writer? Am I 
what am I? Yeah. And do I want to work agency side? Do I want to work at a tech company or at a brand in-house, a client side? So we need to help them bridge that gap and to meet other you know, students from around the world that are interested. Yeah. We all know that the world is uh, global now. And so just because you went to school in you know, New York City, you know, your co-founders start the next agency might be in Singapore. Uh-huh. And we allow that to happen. So allowing the most talented people to come together regardless of the location, especially for students, will be huge. Yeah. And then I think, you know, there'll be self-forming tribes. And so if we didn't have students, we literally are not building for the future. And we're just building for now. So, no, we need students. And I'm going to go back as far as grade school. We're probably going to go down as far as, I think, probably 12 or 13 that you can join. because. And then you can do work there? Well, yeah, why, of course. Yeah, why work at Starbucks when you can work? You might be smart enough at 14 or 15 to write some copy and it might be amazing copy or you maybe you're great at art already who said you got to wait till you're 18 to start yeah, yeah. the job so why can you work at the coffee shop or why can you work at mcdonald's why can't you work at an agency or a brand you can but it's never been available and the talent hasn't been able to find and discover so a platform like ours opens it up wide open and so our schools and students will be coming on and why students are even more important is especially when it comes to internships allowing them to find that their favorite, their, the person they want to work for, not just in their city, but around the world is huge. And so it's also great for agencies and brands. They Most of them have a mandate to have students in their internships, okay. but again, they just play in their own sandbox and yeah. the world's a big place. So it's quite amazing. Also, students typically aren't exposed to periodicals like Brand Week or Ad Week or, or no. just for the older, but now they're going to be on our platform and they're going to see media on our platform, you know, learning about stuff that's happening in the industry that, that one day that they'll be excited about. It's great to be a doctor and a lawyer. and We learn about that. And, you know, my daughters, your kids, they don't know if they want to be a marketer or an advertiser. <laughs> I kind of hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. Why not? Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, it's, if you're promoting great things, you know, yeah. I, I think it's pretty awesome to be the CMO or the lead marketer for UNICEF or, you know, or a great company. Yeah. Marketing and advertising gets a bad name because it's a lot of advertising is bad. It's just selling people shit. True marketing and true advertising and true product development is marketing. Marketing's four things. It's price, product, placement, which is distribution and promotion. But we only focus on promotion, like ads, like marketing so much more than that. And so yeah. that's why students are really important. That makes sense. Yeah. No, I'm just a little bit joking because like recently here with the whole pandemic, we had this like list of, you know, crucial jobs, like who's allowed to bring their kids to daycare and uh, who's allowed to, you know, like, and uh, my, <laughs> my wife, she works in healthcare. So now the joke is that my job's not crucial. That's why I'm like, well, I hope it's not going to be a marketer. But yeah, where are you at right now? Have you already expanded to the US? Is that coming? Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so we expanded the US six, seven months ago. And we'll continue. Yeah. Uh, we're being constrained in our growth on purpose. We have a lot of work to do in the product. We always will. Uh, but it's not ready for prime time globally. Obviously, cultures, languages, you just don't lean into that easily. We have some spies on the ground in Germany. And we have some spies on the ground in Asia. When I say spies, just people looking at the market for us. And we have to figure out what to do there and be ready to go. Come 2021, we'll go into English-speaking Europe. And then probably we'll choose one of the Asian countries that we feel most comfortable with, probably Singapore or something like that. And then end of 2021, we'll hopefully by that time, we'll be about five years old, four and a half, five years old. We'll be ready to go global. And I think for your listeners out there, it's really important. You know, 
I think 2021, 22, we'll just be getting started. Like marketplaces take five years minimum to get going. And so I don't know much about ShareTribe. I'm going to check you guys out more. But this is, if the service you have, what you're talking to me about is true, it's so important because you don't need to go big right away. You just got to get going and try to get stuff going because you'll learn a lot in those early days. And we blew through lots of money trying to figure out the technology ourselves. And I wish we had met you sooner. Yeah. Uh, but the future is platforms. The future is marketplace. Yeah. This isn't a fad. It's not the future. It's now too. Yeah. No, I'm obviously very happy to hear that. I mean, like our goal is to democratize the sharing economy or to democratize access to marketplaces. And indeed, like previously, there was always the barrier of like the technical barrier. Like you need to get a coder. You need to get someone like the guy you hired and in order to get someone like that, you need loads of capital. And it's really like our mission to sort of make this, you know, that you can get your shitty first draft or MVP out at max speed and minimum cost so that you can figure out like, hey, is my idea actually any good? Because like, as you probably also would know, well, like your idea might just be not so great or the way you had fought it initially might just not fly. So I'm really happy to hear that from an experienced person like yourself. Yeah, when it comes to the marketplaces, people will disagree with me on this, but the product doesn't matter. It's different than software or tech. Let me explain that, okay? Of course the product matters, but it doesn't matter out of the gate. It just has to work a little bit. What matters is will people believe you and can you build trust in your marketplace between buyers and sellers? And will people pay you if it's a business, unless you're doing a charity, but will people pay you to be on it? And I hope the days of marketplaces being free are over. I hope they hear this podcast. I hope it goes down in history as one of the ones that mattered. Because if you have a marketplace of any sort that you go to and set up shop in a community, for the most part, there's some sort of rake to the person who sets it up. And for marketplace founders out there, just say it costs money. It's expensive to build these things and it's a lot of work and you're valuable. Just remember that. Like as you build and you found these things, have confidence because you don't have to give stuff away for free and try to take it on the back end. To me, that's shady business. Now, a lot of people disagree with me. We'll see who wins in the end. But companies like Costco and Amazon Prime and these companies that charge memberships, they seem to be doing okay. People want to feel part of something and they're willing to pay for it to be part of it. No, I agree. And I think that also, I mean, there's a couple other reasons why. I mean, first of all, I think if you're starting, probably the best way is to get a membership because like you might not have enough transactions to get like to generate enough money if your take rate's super low. And then also, like, like what you said about indeed, like the product is not the most important thing. I don't remember who said it, but basically someone, I think someone said that like your liquidity is your product, right? Like doesn't matter in what shape or form it is. It's just that if there's no match, it doesn't really matter. All right. Is there anything you would have done differently that people can take away? Like, oh, I, we did this and I would recommend everybody to think twice before they do this or that. Yeah, I hired a few people early on that had big titles like at Salesforce or Google. And for those from Google and Salesforce that they're listening, I'm sure there's great ones, but don't fall for that head fake. And those people that I had to let go are good people. But just because they had success, at which are now massive companies, doesn't mean you'll have success at your company. And Hmm. when you do hire them, if you do, and you know they're not working out, it's just classic advice. You got to just make the call to let them go sooner. And I, I didn't do that. So I made some big mistakes on people because I, I fell for the head fake of what they used to do or what they did. Yeah. rather than what they can do now. you know. And I put lots of, just uh, for the listeners, this isn't a shameless plug, but I actually think it can help. I, I put out content every day on Instagram 
and LinkedIn called Ryan Gill Shares. That's the handle is at Ryan Gill Shares. And I talk about not the good stuff. I talk about the screw ups. All right. Because that's it's a series. I don't know if you've heard this quote before, but great entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs are able to go from failure to failure without losing excitement. Yeah. And uh, that's true, right? Or I think I, I butchered the quote. I think it's failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. Yeah. And that's especially in a marketplace is they are the hardest businesses. Also, if you're listening, if you don't have like thick skin and you don't have staying power, just don't do it. They're the hardest businesses to build. I've built big businesses before. This is my fifth or sixth business. So I've had a couple of successes and a couple of failures. This by far is the most amazing, exciting journey, but it's, we're still early. It's a very hard business. We can easily fail still. And so I I think about that every day. And I tell my team, like uh, we live paranoid every day. All right. Hey, let's end on that. <laughs> let's end on paranoia. That yes. sounds great. Thank you very much, Ryan. Do you want to do a final plug on where people can find Communo or something you want them to do? Yeah, we uh, at the moment during COVID for all freelancers, we just talked this whole podcast about being you pay, but for freelancers right now, they're looking for work. Uh, we have a promotion that it's free for the first few months. So you can go to Communo.com and sign up or download Communo on the Apple iOS store or an Android. And if you want to follow me, you can check me out at Ryan Gill Shares on Instagram. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Two Sided, the Marketplace podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe. If you listen on iTunes, we'd also love for you to rate and give us a review. If you got inspired to build your own marketplace, go visit www.sharetribe.com. It's the fastest way to build a successful online marketplace business. Until next time.